0: welcome back to soapbox i am your host bruce and this is episode 10 of season five now i know you have been with us throughout these energy sector episodes but in this finale let's take a quick recap of the things and the themes that we've covered for the season and then get into our what's up segment where we will talk to deborah barrow about guyana's energy future so this season on Soapbox, of course, we began this season with the death of former energy minister, Franklin Kahn and the resulting cabinet reshuffle. Um, and we ended the season with another cabinet reshuffle. Of course, we spoke about that in a previous episode, the split between public administration and digital transformation, um, and as well with the passing of our brother resistance. During the season, the COVID-19 pandemic and vaccinations also took center stage, although, of course, this was supposed to be energy episodes um, and focus on the energy sector. We could not, we could not do the entire season without discussing the COVID-19 situation and, of course, the vaccines. And when we began the season, we only had 203 deaths, cast your mind back. Um, and as at the 8th of May, we also only had 59,786 first doses and only 946 second doses. So for both good and bad, we've come we've come a long way in terms of in terms of the pandemic um, and in terms of, of vaccinations. Right now, um, of, as you know, we've crossed a thousand deaths. Uh, but certainly, our vaccinations have increased significantly, um, and we are somewhere in the in the two hundred uh, thousands um, in terms of at least first doses. Um, COVID nineteen vaccines, therefore, became the focus of our fourth episode, uh, where we had Vax Facts, of course, and we were able to feature Nita Udit who is a laboratory demonstrator and a virology uh, laboratory technologist who works at the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic as a tester. And she was able to share her knowledge and expertise with us, particularly as it relates to the COVID-19 vaccine. So again, for those who might have concerns, For those who are uh, talking about the efficacy and the efficiency and the et cetera, et cetera of the vaccines, she was able to break it down for us, and you can revisit episode four for that. Um, This season, we were also able to feature Christoph Rodriguez, an attorney at law, uh, and he was able to again share his ex- expertise with us as it relates to the state of emergency, uh, as well as the the law and the thinking behind the imposition of a state of emergency, and what it practically means for uh, for the public, for for members of the public. So again, um, that. That uh, episode, that interview, there uh, a very good one for you to for you to go back and 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 check on. Uh, of course, in this episode, we will feature Deborah Barrow, who is from Guyana, uh, an attorney at law there, um, and again to share her who insights into uh, Guyana's energy future again and what that means for Guyana, for the Guyanese public, and for the region. Uh, and uh, our main focus again this season was the energy sector, and so for six episodes we featured Andrew Hossein, a youth expert in the in the energy sector, uh, an energy se- an energy expert with with more than a decade of experience, and in those episodes we broke down. All the questions, all the questions. Some of those questions you you would have submitted. It was submitted from the public. I, I, I had a, um, a, an open platform where persons can ask questions. Um, and we took some of those questions uh, and asked Andrew, <laughs> expert, um, and we focused on the status of TNT as an oil and gas economy, because if you've listened, you know two uh, separate uh, categories or areas, again, the decline in the oil economy, um, the fact that we are more so a gas economy at this point, what we we discussed, what is LNG, we discussed the different products in the energy sector from natural gas to gas gasoline, because you also know that the two are different. Um, we spoke about CNG, we spoke about oil, crude oil, refined oil, etc, etc. We spoke about exploration and production. Um, we spoke about where we export our products to and where we import from. We looked at national budgeting in the sector, pegging the budget to an oil and gas price, how that price comes about. We spoke about WTI and Brent crude prices. We we discussed again for national budgeting what that. Um, what that price at the budget is pegged to, what that signals to the economy and what that means for the business community as well as the man on the street. Uh, We spoke to price setting and forecasting, revenue and taxes, the supplemental petroleum tax. We broke down all of those things. We spoke about the players in the sector, um, local players, international players and multinational corporations. We spoke about indirect and directly related companies in the energy sector. We of course spoke to Petrotrin uh, again, and um, Paria and Heritage, as well as uh, uh, NP and Unipet and the like. We spoke about uh, refining, peddling uh, of 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 um, fuel. We we spoke about um, electricity and power generation. Uh, we spoke about fuel margins. We spoke about fuel subsidies. Again, the prices at the pump what it means for the consumer for you on the street we spoke about local content in the energy sector the heritage and stabilization fund we spoke about regional energy monetization um, the monetization agreement between trinidad and tobago and barbados we spoke about feed-in tariffs uh in the context of again sustainability and renewable energy And in that vein as well, when we focused on renewable energy, we looked at some of the, not only the green building or green construction projects that that have been completed in Trinidad and Tobago, but we also spoke to some of the uh, renewable energy projects that are underway. um, And we spoke to about five of the key ones. Uh, And recently on our social media, we also highlighted um, other other um, projects or updates on those projects. We also spoke about this, um, this sort of debate, a question coming from the audience in terms of um, when are we going to or should we implement a carbon tax? And we discussed carbon taxation versus carbon neutral energy production. So again, um, a lot of discussion happening there. Again, it's over six episodes. So if you have not had the chance to view it or to listen to it, you can go back. We explain it. We, we take a very, um, a very accessible approach to the discussion so that anybody, you don't have to be an energy expert to listen to the conversation or to understand the conversation. And of course, in future engagements, and I told you the energy sector will continue to be front and center for some time although the pandemic is really the spotlight and the highlight of newsreels at the moment, you have seen some of those energy conversations uh, coming back to the fore. And so this also sets the tone for for those conversations that are creeping up um, in the the national media, those conversations that perhaps we should be spotlighting in, in mainstream media, but we aren't. And it also sets the tone for, of course, Budget 2021, which, as we know, is going to be a hotly anticipated uh, budget presentation. So I would suggest that you go back um, and uh, that you view or listen to those episodes if you have not. Of course, in this episode, we are going to turn our focus again squarely on Guyana, what that means for Guyana, uh, and its future, what it means for um, the rest of the region and even perhaps discussions or relations between Trinidad and Tobago as uh, as a, a, a country with more than a century of experience in the energy sector. Um, but before we go there, I am duty bound to remind you to follow us on social media at Soapbox Caribbean, which is at Soapbox C-B-E-A-N. And of course, find us uh, and listen to us wherever you stream uh you stream your favorite podcasts. You can find us by searching Soapbox Caribbean. That's everywhere. <laughs> everywhere you listen to to podcasts. Mm-hmm. So, let's turn to our conversation with Deborah Barrow on Guyana's energy future. This- We are here in Season 5, Episode 10, our final episode of the season and our final What's Up segment. And today we have Deborah Barrow, who functions as a legal officer at one of our regional institutions. Now, Deborah is an attorney at law and the holder of a number of degrees and professional certificates. She has a history degree, a law degree, and uh, an MSc in international trade policy, and that's actually how I, how I know Deborah, how I met Deborah, And her areas of expertise are somewhat expansive as she has published a number of articles and presented on a number of areas, including foreign direct investment, global value chains, gender, and labor. And again, for her experience uh, and her, her, her certifications and training uh, have come from a number of international organizations, from the likes of the World Trade Organization to the United Nations to the Inter-American Development Bank. Uh, and so, Deborah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. How are you, Deborah? I am fine.
1: Thank you, Aurelia. First of all, I should say thanks so much for having me on. And this should be a very interesting discussion.
0: So, Deborah, we want to, um, for our viewers and our listeners, uh, we want to begin with before we get into the energy sector because this is our energy episode series. Uh, and as I promised you guys, we had done uh, sort of Trinidad and Tobago, a focus on that within those episodes and our conversation with with Andrew. Uh, we spoke to some of the regional projects and regional outlook and that kind of thing. So we will get squarely into. Um, the energy sector in Guyana. But before we do that, Deborah, I want you to tell uh, our viewers a a little bit about Guyana, a little bit about Guyana's economy and also why they should visit Guyana.
1: (laughs) Okay. After the pandemic,
0: of course, after the pandemic.
1: (laughs) Yes, of course, after the pandemic. So again, once again, um, hello to everyone. Just a little bit about Guyana. Guyana is located in South America. It is the only English-speaking country in South America. Um, It's normally when people hear about Guyana, they think about the Caribbean. That's normally the case because we have such a close historical connection with the Caribbean being a former colony of the United Kingdom and the fact that our history is so similar and our cultures are so similar. So a lot of times we are associated with the Caribbean and not necessarily with South America, but we're actually located in South America. And we, um, our neighbor is Suriname. Guyana is also a part of CARICOM, that's the Caribbean community. And we know that Suriname is also a member state of CARICOM. So that's the connection, that's the Caribbean vibe that we also have. And that we also possess. In terms of our economy, as many would have heard, Guyana is blessed with numerous resources. And so we have some key sectors that would normally contribute to the economy. So I'll begin with agriculture, which everybody knows about. So we have rice and sugar. And as we know, sugar is not doing that well. And everybody, every country has been affected by the pandemic. Nonetheless, agriculture is a main sector in Guyana's economy. So just a little idea of how much it actually contributes. Um, Let's say from 2019, if you look, the contribution to the GDP, it's actually 18%. Now this is despite what is happening with um, sugar and despite what has been happening because of the pandemic. So fairly good contribution actually very good contribution to our economy we also have when people think about again a lot of people think about gold so we have yes we do a lot of mining and we also have our quarrying so normally the two areas are combined so mining and quar and quarrying When we think about mining not only gold but we also deal with bauxite and we also have diamond so just to give a um broad ID um, you before
0: you, continue, uh-huh. Diana, um, before you continue Deborah is the saying because I know how Chinese are right and we have we have a saying how you're either good like gold or you're good like Guyanese gold <laughs> is, that, is, oh. that, is, that, <laughs> is that also a, is that also a saying in Guyana or that's just Chinese being Chinese
1: I think it's Chinese being Chinese <laughs> but we take the compliments Guyana gold <laughs>
0: yeah Right, so in Go
1: 2019, gold mi- mining altogether and the quarrying would have contributing 15% to our GDP. Now, Guyana also has um, industry, and we also have services, but um, not on the same level. So, I'm not going to focus so much on those two um, contributors to our economy. But I want to talk a little bit about oil, because everybody knows by now that Guyana found oil and not just a little tiny bit but like a whole lot (laughs) so in december 2019 we actually did our first um actual production of oil and so that has been a significant contributor to our economy although it only recently came on board so i'm just gonna point to you just to give you an idea of what oil has done to sector. So remember, 2019 is when we actually did our first production. And mm-hmm. so in 2019, just listen to this, we registered real oil GDP growth 43.5%. So
0: 43.5% of GDP? 40,
1: right. 43, that's the contribution, 43.5%. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. and um this is um now remember we started 20 december 2019 so this is actually the 2020 yeah. figure Yeah. so yeah. bear in mind what's happening with the pandemic and everything so you already see the major contribution of oil to Guyana's economy now if you just compare this with a little bit of what was happening in 2019 where Remember, to for the sector to get to the stage of exploration, you had other activities that had to, that would have been done. So mm-hmm. let me just um, explain this briefly. So we had a real oil GDP growth of forty three point five percent in twenty twenty, but when we compare this with a five point four percent growth in twenty nineteen, so five point four percent, just because of just investment in the sector mm-hmm. right so just look at what oil has the capability of doing for again and what yeah. it has already begun to do So that's just my brief introduction in terms of what Guyana is about. Guyana also has tourism, and it would be remiss of me not to mention tourism, as we are known for our forestry and our natural landscape. So ecotourism is a big deal, and it's actually getting better in Guyana.
0: Definitely. And I hope and I think, you know, we'll come to that discussion later in terms of sort of knock on effects or the indirect effects of um, energy sector development. But I hope and I want to, I want to uh, and I feel that it's important to highlight that um, I think that Guyana is one of our premier destinations in terms of tourism. Um, and I know that there will be, especially with with the energy sector, there will be more development in that area. But I think even now, as it is, um, you know, I've had the opportunity to visit Guyana before, and I was saying, you know, it's it's unexplainable. I, I'm not sure what it is, but there is a, a a vibe in the place. I don't know what it is, um, and definitely the the ecotourism aspect of it is a is a is a pull. Um, but even beyond the ecotourism, I think that Guyana is one of those places that you must see. Um, I, I, and I think, like every other you know Caribbean territory and Deborah explained to us the location in terms of location in in South America Um, but they are very much part of the the Caribbean family but definitely as a Caribbean country it's the same kind of vibe and the same kind of like you can see that um, you know I always like to say you know God spent time to make these places you know to make the Caribbean and I feel like um, I my my biggest thing is that Guyana ought to be pushing that tourism sector a lot more and you know sort of patting itself on 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 the back in terms of what it could could offer in terms of tourism, you know. Um, and so to amplify those messages, I would I'd really like to see a strong tourism campaign um, for regional as well as international visitors. But that's not what we're talking about today. We are talking about the energy sector. So you've given us some insight into the economy overall. As well as into the um, sort of opportunity in the energy sector. Um, could you talk a, a bit about the, the oil finds?
1: Okay. So, Guyana has had a lot of interest in terms of oil exploration, mm-hmm. but ExxonMobil has been very, very, very successful. To date, they have made 19 oil discoveries. 19, mm-hmm. I repeat yeah um, these are viable oil finds. yeah um of the 90 they've already begun in terms of production uh Lisa phase one mm-hmm. and that has the capacity according to their projections to produce two hundred and twenty thousand sorry mm-hmm. barrels of oil per day
0: yeah and so even- that, yeah when we think about even the production, because you're saying they, they, they have um, begun um, sort of uh, extraction from one field, we're talking Correct. about 19 fields. When we, when we compare that to some of the figures that you gave before in terms of the, the contribution, so imagine the Correct. sort of snowball effect. Um, yes. And I want to marry that with the feeling on the ground, the sentiments from the average Guyanese person. On the ground, what was public sentiment like, say back in 2019, and even now that we're at the point where 19 discoveries, what w- w- were people even interested in it or taking note of the, the the opportunity there?
1: Okay, I think that it may have tempered a bit now because you know after you hear one, then two, then three, then four, by the time <laughs> you hear ten, you're kind of like, well, all right, we got it, right? <laughs> right? And we got we got a lot of it. Right. So the 19th find, which took place in April of this year, 2021. Mm. Yes, we were like, oh, but, you know, you got accustomed to hearing that it yeah. is there. But I think initially when those discoveries began and, you know, we realized that they were viable oil finds, mm. everybody was excited. Um, yeah. I think the Guyanese public, I mean, you can't speak about sp- social media without um, not referencing memes. So like I yeah. made memes that were so funny. Like the one that stuck with me, we have one of these main streets known as Sheriff street. Oh. And like they took all these cars, like Lamborghinis, like the best cars, Maseratis. And they had them, somebody imposed them on Sheriff street. And Mm -hmm. had people hanging out the windows. And they're like, this is how Guyana is going to be by the time there is full production. So that's just an idea of how excited people were. And then Mm -hmm. if you see the memes with people in restaurants and hotels looking very, very fancy schmancy. (laughs) So we had a good time in terms of our excitement. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said, I believe it has tempered a bit because... know you've gotten accustomed to hearing that well successful all is fine so people are actually waiting for the translation of you know what you are hearing into reality
0: so that that brings me to to my next question um because we spoke about the initial sentiments and we we spoke a, a bit about um how the global pandemic might have tempered that kind of excitement as well not just because again you get accustomed to hearing the news but the fact that now Okay, we're grappling with this virus, and we're all sort of indoors, and we're, you know, um, you know, dealing with the issues of the the pandemic and 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 that kind of thing. So that might have taken center stage. Um, uh, in terms of the the outlook on the energy sector globally, that had happened because of the pandemic as well. Had that has that um sort of affected Guyana's excitement about about um the energy sector? You think?
1: Okay, so in my opinion, I believe that um, you have to base your excitement on reality. Mm -hmm. And I believe, you know, we've all realized that the pandemic has had serious economic effects globally. So Guyana, although there have been many projections, including by um, the IDB, the Mm -hmm. IMF in relation to growth when it comes to Guyana's economy, although those are there, I think you still have to bear in mind that Guyana's borders would have been closed for a period of time. You still mm-hmm. have to bear in mind that business cannot go on as usual because there is a pandemic and you have mm-hmm. to balance economic as well as, you know, your human resources saving okay. lives. And yeah. so in that context, I it would be my opinion that yes, the pandemic would definitely have an effect because mm-hmm. as should be known, Even oil prices would have been affected. That has declined. And so, yes, in reality, there would be some kind of effect in terms of, yes, your excitement and the translation of all this, um, all the projections into reality. But at the same time, Guyana is nonetheless set to see economic growth like never before. Mm -hmm. And even with the projections, um, recognizing the pandemic, The growth that Guyana is set to experience 2021 and beyond is still something to speak about, and I think it's still something that should allow Guyanese to be excited.
0: Yeah, it's it's right because
1: it will be unprecedented, Mm -hmm. and it could do so much for this nation that has all these resources and still awaits, you know, the real benefits from such resources.
0: So let's uh, shift the conversation a bit because you mentioned the the, the memes on social media. Um, and again, which is sort of indicative. Again, you know, they say there's always some truth to the dukes, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it is indicative, I, I would think, of the, um, yes, that the, the expectation of the public that they'll be able to see the effects, as in that it will be even at the individual level. Yes, Guyana. Yes, development, uh, infrastructure and the like. Yes, investment in the energy sector. Um, yes, perhaps, um, perhaps you know, greater FDI and that kind of thing, but that it would affect or have an impact on the individual. So I want to ask, again, if you were to not create a meme, but in your mind or based on your opinion or, 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 or your um, forecast or rather what you would like to see, what would you like to see? What, in 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 your opinion, could the impact of this new sector and and, you know, um uh, these significant resources, what impact could that have for Guyana?
1: Um, very significant. Um, let's start with economically because that's what most persons would want to focus on. Mm-hmm. Remember, you now have all this money that is coming into your country, mm-hmm. and so on the positive side, I know that we have had in draft. And it has gone through consultations. I can't say for sure when it has been finalized, but we have a local content policy that is in place. And so that would assist with employment of Guyanese in mm-hmm. the oil and gas sector, not mm-hmm. just Guyanese as in Guyanese businesses, because a lot of times people believe that businesses are able to access um, whatever opportunities. Mm-hmm. But the local content policy is designed in such a way that when you're actually hiring employees. You have to hire Guyanese employees. And right away, that would put Guyanese in a position to be able to benefit economically. So families are affected automatically. The amount of money that you can now earn because the expectation is that the money that is paid by such companies that are in the oil and gas sector would be on par with what Cars internationally. So you're not going to come and try to get cheap and dirt label and mm. you're getting all this money from the natural resources of the country. So that's one way economically. And remember, jobs will always be created because once a business is um, in the sector, it would need employees. So it's not just direct, employment with Exxon because a lot of people seem to think that you know I have to get a job with Exxon in order order to be able to get this money but they have contractors that they hire and then Mm -hmm. the contractors would need to hire other persons and so this chain develops where you may not be directly connected to Exxon itself but you're Mm -hmm. connected along the chain and so you're still able to gain economic benefits. Mm -hmm. Now, once the state is involved and there's taxation, then that should translate into the development of infrastructure. Like I mentioned before, Guyana has local industries. We have a lot of natural resources. Mm -hmm. And so there's scope for industrial development. And once there's oil, you can think of electricity likely to improve, and therefore you have access to cheaper electricity. And so you're able to produce goods that you don't normally produce or that would be um, if you produce it, it would be at such a high cost that you can't sell it in the market. So cheap electricity usually translates to making your, to reducing your production costs. Mm-hmm. So you have the opportunity for industrial development but you also have the, the opportunity for the development of your infrastructure. So mm-hmm. your roadways um better telecommunications, Mm -hmm. you have those opportunities that are also there just because of this boom in your economy. And you can't ever talk about infrastructure and talk about telecommunications and speak about industrial development and not bear in mind the possibilities as it relates to construction. And anybody that deals with trade will tell you if you want to keep money in a country, then make sure that your construction sector is booming, right? Because most things will come from internally. Guyana is loaded with lumber and timber of all kinds. And Mm. so it's not like you have to go and import now to feed this particular sector. So there Mm. are so many opportunities. And like I said, Translation, once people keep coming into your country, even if they're coming for tourism opportunities, Mm. if they're coming for investment opportunities, you need housing and accommodation. So Mm. that's where the regular Guyanese who is into real estate has Mm. the opportunity to be able to get into the um, economic activities that are happening. So that there is so much scope for the mm-hmm. development of Guyana as a country as well as Guyanese people. Yeah. Guyanese people on the whole.
0: Yeah. And even when we come down to when we come down to it, um, because you know you spoke to to employment and, and even on the even on the previous episodes in this in this energy episodes um, series, we spoke to the range of um businesses. Um, within the sector and, and that like you said it's not just um the exploration companies or, or the, the drilling companies that that are that are in the sector you have the indirect ones that the, the people who service or maintain the, the infrastructure the energy infrastructure you have the ones who are responsible for health safety security and the environment. And again, that's a range of businesses from um, from medical services to security services because you want to protect plant and machinery. Uh, and that's a specialized area of security, but security services, um, uh, did I say maintenance, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera, and, and the list goes on. And then you also have again some of the ancillary services, whether it is catering for the, for the, for the, for the, um, for the, for the sector and, and for those um, um platforms and the like you do have the infrastructure development because you mentioned that again because you want to have the the road networks and linkages to um to 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 and from um those those um areas of activity but also even airports and and that kind of thing because you do expect that you would have more um more traffic uh, and you you also mentioned that um in terms of in terms of uh visitors because i want to say it it also opens the door to a different kind of tourism. I know earlier we spoke about um, we spoke about uh, 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 eco-tourism. eco tourism, yeah. But one of the benefits for Trinidad and Tobago, and um, and or when we look at our tourism sector, right? Uh, again another another area i think our tourism sector is not as um well marketed as it ought to be in terms of our whether ecotourism and festival tourism and that kind of thing but that's a, a different discussion um i think a lot of our tourism um though we don't recognize it is in meetings conferences and events and a lot of it is also because of that energy sector you know and so that is an opportunity there to diversify the tourism sector in Guyana so now it's not just ecotourism because again here now you have a hub of not just energy sector activity, but also foreign direct investment within or, or in ancillary sectors. And so again, Guyana becomes the meeting place, you know? And so you you might see uh, as well development in, in the, the hotel um, slash tourism and recreation, because even though you're coming for a meeting or Exxon is having this meeting or whoever is having this, this high level meeting or conference. Um, you know, again, they have to stay somewhere, right? They're going to interact or interface with the the activities uh, happening in Guyana. So, so again, it's not just um, direct employment. You don't have to be a petroleum engineer to benefit Correct. from the from the sector. I mean, like I said, or you said like construction again, because those those services um, and goods will be needed. What whatever. Definitely, definitely.
1: Exactly. And I think we can't overemphasize that Guyanese would be able to benefit from the oil boom and it's not only by you being directly employed Mm -hmm. with the investor per se but there Mm -hmm. are so many spin-off opportunities that Mm -hmm. we can't discuss it in one segment Mm -hmm. right you would need so much time and i think that has to be emphasized yeah. And if you're very creative, then you have the opportunity to look at what is happening in your country and to get these lovely ideas that these creative people normally have. And mm. you can benefit because guess what? Some um, young lady just sat down and now we're doing like cycle tours. That's yes. something that you would see in, let's say like a European destination, you mm. know, but people are coming to Guyana, and you cycle through georgetown certain parts of georgetown because of yeah. how it's connected and where it's connected to i mean you yeah. can't come to Guyana and don't hear about the seawall well guyanese don't say it so but <laughs> i can't put on my, i can't see it in my guyanese accent but you know we get to to cycle yeah. around and see the famous guyanese sea wall. so exactly you know so just be creative and that is what i would want to you know in terms of really answering your question to say that there are so many opportunities that the regular Guyanese man or woman can mm. latch onto or can seek out and yeah. can really benefit and develop themselves economically. And yeah. you know, Aurelia, just one more point. I have been noticing so many young people have been opening businesses. Yeah. And if you want to keep money in your country, this is the way to go. Yeah. this is the, so you have so many small businesses that would have popped up even though there is a pandemic and guess what mm-hmm. people began to allow their creative juices to flow so many of the things are online you have deliver delivery related services so mm-hmm. much that you would not sit down and think hey i'm a service provider but yeah. guess what that's what you yeah. actually are that's what yeah. you're doing so it's just to get the people to open their minds in terms of yeah. how they see economic development, and not this reliance on just oh getting a job somewhere kind of thing. But yeah. how about creating jobs for others? You know, by having your own business. So Definitely. so much could be done.
0: Yeah, and so so many opportunities there. I, I think as well, um, there is the opportunity again in terms of using the revenue. Took, like, like a, a cyclical, I, I guess, um, um, effect where using the revenue and investing in, in education so that, again, you have those indirect jobs, but then you also have those direct jobs that, you are also skilling people for the for the energy sector for the for the for direct employment then, and so that you are um, developing even amongst the, the, the youth cohort, you are developing a, a, a segment of, of the Guyanese population or, or young Guyanese who can take over, who can you know be directly Im- employed as well.
1: So- yes, well, definitely, definitely, we need um, that kind of approach is essential because remember you have a fledgling industry Mm. and so you need you you recognize first of all that well the skills won't or the necessary skills that you need would not be readily available in your market because like i said it's something new it's a fledgling Mm. um Mm. sector so you do have to recognize that but at the same time good management of your sector means that you have to get the skills in your country and so that's where the education that's where the collaborations with countries that do have the skills that's where you know you need that kind of a connection but i believe that we're going to get into that a little further later so you know we can that's why i kind of held off of dealing with the educational aspect and collaborations (laughs) and so on
0: yeah but let's 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 go to let's go to that one um, if we can, um, in terms of the the areas of collaboration and and again, starting with the education and what you were saying about right now, it might not be available in the within the country because it is a new sector. However, if you're looking at long term and you're looking at, again, the prospects for the energy sector, you know, uh, as it is now in Guyana, you expect or you anticipate that. That the sector is going is going to be here um, for 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 some time and so how are you preparing your your um, your population to to actively not just contribute but play a role in it in terms of how are you reinvesting in yourself you know because it's not just okay um, yes individuals can have um, you know opportunities and ideas and and the, the range of opportunities is available how do we then, Um, ensure that, uh, and, you know, you alluded to the local content policy to ensure that, um, you know, Guyanese are are part of a a key or play a key role in providing services to the sector, providing goods to the sector, being employed in the sector. So how are we reinvesting in ourselves to ensure that Guyanese are prepared to provide those goods, services and and be employed um, even directly in the sector?
1: Right. So um, I think when you're dealing with oil and gas, you have to understand the nature of the oil and gas industry. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you have to understand, a lot of people already know that, yes, it's um, equipment intensive. So in terms Mm -hmm. of the cost associated with the equipment and in terms of production and even exploration, yes, that is recognized. That is very costly. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, as we would have mentioned just now, the fact that it is a fledgling industry and the fact that it is an industry that could be and is likely to be in existence for centuries because mm-hmm. if you take the average that lifespan of one oil well, there is, I mean, Exxon alone has discovered 19. Mm-hmm. So just multiply that by 30 each one by 30 on average and Mm. you'll see the potential of this particular industry for Guyana so imagine having that potential but you don't have the human resource for that industry and so that's why it's important that you need to have collaboration now Mm. a lot of people seem to believe when you get something you hold on to it It's Mm -hmm. mine, and so I have to hoard it. But this is where collaboration is important. And that's why you always have to emphasize the role of having regional groupings such Mm -hmm. as CARICOM. Because guess what? We have a neighbor, Trinidad and Tobago, who has been in this business for over a century. Mm -hmm. And not only can we learn, people like to talk about pitfalls, but we could also learn from the advantages that they have had or from the positives that they would have experienced. And so for me, if you wanna speak about collaboration, you have to recognize right away that because Trinidad is your neighbor and because they have been in the business for such an extended period of time, then clearly, clearly, if the company is hiring, then there would be some kind of collaboration and not only necessarily a deliberate collaboration but Mm -hmm. where would you get the employees from because Mm -hmm. it's already recognized that Guyana does not have the amount of persons that you would need trained and skilled to be in that new industry and Mm -hmm. so as we are aware there is already in existence an MOU between Guyana and Trinidad and Tobago for energy cooperation, that's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you're sitting there and saying that, oh, you want Trinidadians to come and take jobs. And you know how Caribbean people normally have this thing as if somebody's coming to take something from you. But yeah. you have to recognize that because of the nature of the mm-hmm. industry and the fact that you don't, you're starting at ground zero. Yeah. That You have to acknowledge that. So how do you now bridge this gap? This is now where you have to get deliberate with your efforts. And mm. so in my opinion, that kind of deliberateness is what is needed now because you've already gone into where you're producing. Mm. And so education, the University of Guyana has already stepped up and would have been offering certain courses in terms of Um, skilled areas that you need for the oil and gas industry. At the same time, there is still scope for collaboration with Trinidad and Tobago. So you'll see some of the companies that are working with Exxon, they are from Trinidad and Tobago. They're from other places, but a lot of them are from Trinidad and Tobago. And Mm. so what you're seeing already is that the training for those Guyanese that are hired by said companies that they're being done in Mm -hmm. Trinidad and Tobago. What you have there, a cross-pollination, a Mm -hmm. cross-connection happening where Guyanese are going there to develop their skills. So it's not a one-way thing in that Trinidadians are being hired, but Guyanese are going there to be exposed because we just don't have the facilities. You have to be frank. We don't yeah. have it. So that's an opportunity for collaboration. You understand? And so education is one way, but what about technical and vocational skills, mm-hmm. right? Those are the skills that you need for the industry. Trinidad mm-hmm. and Tobago already has in place those um, oh, wow. those kinds of programs. So while Guyana is now starting, there are opportunities for collaboration. I mean, I've seen... Yeah. UE has even made offers and there are opportunities for scholarships for Guyanese, specifically to go and undertake certain courses. All of those are steps in the right direction in terms yeah. of how you're going to build your human resources skills mm-hmm. and your skill set so that you can be able to satisfy this new or this fledgling industry that is developing. And so that's why you don't knock regional integration. And that's why you don't knock, you know, collaborating with a neighbor or, you know, with a country that would have had the skills. And this is not only limited to Trinidad and Tobago, but the fact remains, Trinidad and Tobago has been producing oil mm-hmm. for a century. So the, the other CARICOM countries are not doing it. So it just makes sense to yeah. collaborate with them. It's something that should be pursued.
0: But also the fact that it's about 50 minutes away flying time, so the proximity as Definitely well. Definitely proximity. Um, yeah, because the, the thing about it is, at this time again, uh, understanding that um that that um Guyana is now building this industry, it means that you don't have all the bricks as yet. So it's not, uh, and and I think it goes beyond. Um, just the, the the opportunity for um, say technical and vocational training um, in Trinidad or, or collaborations there. There's also the opportunity to learn um, or to share experiences as to how how that stream was built. Because again, back to what we were saying, where people make the assumption that you have to be a petroleum engineer or whatever in these technical vocational um, institutions. Um, Again, there are differing qualifications or sets of qualifications. So even that matriculation exercise it is something Correct. that Guyana could could mirror or, or the programs could be mirrored. Again, you've trained people. You might have a training of trainers even in order to mirror some of these programs so that, again, young people and the not so young have an avenue of saying, OK, I have left secondary school or even, you know, um, tertiary education, whether you have an associate or a bachelor or even a master's, I could go into this program and then get it, you know, you have a, a pathway. So, so there's the training, um, of it or training of individuals, but then there's also mirroring those training, those training opportunities, you know? Right. Um, and, and I think, I think that is, that is what will help with the sustainability of the venture, um, in terms of the venture into this energy sector. Um, and, you know, I, I want to, to highlight the point that you made in terms of the benefit of regionalism in this regard, because what we haven't talked about before, but now, um, you know, as as you were talking, I, I was saying, you know, even in, in terms of um, whether or not you are a, a Guyanese national and you've been trained in Trinidad and Tobago, or whether or not the programs are mirrored there, whether or not you get... Um, Trading from UG or UWI, right? There is also now um, the opportunity for Guyanese to work in the sector in Trinidad and Tobago. If you are skilled, right, you can work, you know, in, in Trinidad and Tobago and vice versa. So, so again, it's not just a one one country benefits kind of situation in terms Correct. of collaboration because now you have a skilled a skilled group of people in Guyana who can service or, or, or work in the energy sector internationally. Right. so so in fact to me that I mean as such close neighbors you know that that should be a a a, a given and then coupled with the rest of the the, the the CARICOM arrangements with the you know right to work and, and provision of services etc you know it, it makes that so much easier you know so so you know the opportunities are bound um, in developing the human capacity, not just for opportunities in Guyana, but spreading your wings, you know, and, and um, opportunities, taking advantage of opportunities in, in Trinidad and Tobago as well. Um, so so yeah. I just, yeah, I just thought about Definitely,
1: that. definitely, definitely. And like you, like you rightly said, there is the opportunity for um, just as, as Trinidadans are coming across, for Guyanese to go across.
0: We will pause here to end part one of our discussion, pick up on part two in the next track where we continue our discussion with Deborah Barrow on the energy outlook for Guyana.